2 Timothy chapter number 4, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. There's a little bit of a ring uh, in the, in the uh, thingamajigger, you got it, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and uh, we are going to read uh, several verses tonight and uh, look at a different uh, ministry companion, and it's good to see you all this evening, Brother it's good to see him actually in church tonight, so it's good to uh, uh, see y'all. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. How does that sound out there to y'all? We still have a ring. Too loud? Well, so much comes to mind. Speaking of the dangerous companion, let's look in, is that better? Okay, second, Tim, is it too loud? I wouldn't want to be too loud tonight. Second Timothy chapter number four, we're going to begin reading in verse number six, and we're going to read down through verse number 15. And of course, I'll remind you that the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and Paul has come to the end of his life. He knows the end is here. Uh, and as I mentioned uh, Sunday night, uh, Paul is not necessarily looking forward, even though he speaks of the crown that awaits him. He's aware of what is ahead of him. But through this whole chapter, he's actually looking back as he comes to the end of his life. Uh, he mentions to Timothy some things that are going to take place. And then the list of all of these companions uh, is a reflection over his ministry. Now, I'll remind you before I read the text tonight uh, that as we serve together... We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're about His business. We serve together in this local church. We are all in the ministry, or we should all be in the ministry. Uh, that's why we're here, is to do the work of the Lord. Uh, God just did not, has, not just, has not left you here just to sit and learn and enjoy the marvelous preaching that you get to hear from week in and week out. God left you here to do work for Him. And so we all need each other. Uh, is the pastor important? I think the, the office of the pastor is very, very important. Uh, but every role in the church is important. Uh, the pastor, and I'll be the first to tell you, cannot do what he does without his ministry companions. We all need each other. And so Paul is reflecting uh, on his ministry companions, good and bad. And tonight we're going to look at one that he warns Timothy. So let's begin reading in verse number 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. When thou camest, or comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, 
for he hath greatly withstood our words. We're going to look tonight at that character, Alexander the coppersmith, who Paul said, did me much evil. Now, in past studies, and particularly in my book, Satan's Toolbox, I, I mention and, and talk about Alexander in specifics. But tonight, I want to turn the focus more on the warning that Paul gives than the actions of Alexander, more on Paul's reaction to the evil that was done him than looking specifically or what may or may not have been the action that Alexander did for Paul to warn Timothy. Because let's just be honest tonight. Uh, we can't control what other people do. And if you are going to do anything for God, you're going to have your Alexander. We've looked at some of these characters, and, 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 and sometimes it, it brings joy as I've studied through this, and sometimes it brings sorrow. When you, when you think of somebody faithful like Luke, uh, you think of Stephen, who's forsaken for the world, uh, or uh, John Mark, take Mark, because he's profitable. Somebody, he, he, he gets back up and he continues and serves the Lord. Uh, we think of all of these, in the, but if you're going to serve the Lord long enough, you'll have an Alexander. And so we need to be aware of Alexander, and we need to understand how to respond. Tonight is going to be, it's a necessary teaching. Now the truths in here, like any truth in the Word of God, uh, they're, they're outstanding truths. Uh, this is one of those, I, I, so far we've had several of these, and, and some I have just, I've been thrilled to teach them because I'm excited about them. Alexander, if we look at it, well, that's a negative part of the ministry. Tonight is a necessary teaching that you and I need to take hold of, and I'm going to identify some things and I know there will be a help to us. We're talking about Alexander, the dangerous companion. And Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight as we look into your word. May we heed the words of Paul. May we decide not to be an Alexander. May we realize that we can do much good for the ministry or we can do much harm to the ministry. And Father, I pray that you'll minister to your people tonight. Bless your people, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I've already mentioned, we're going to look a little bit different direction as far as Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Uh, Paul does not list all of the deeds of Alexander. Paul warns Timothy that he did him much evil. I'm afraid sometimes in the Christian life, and maybe not even sometimes, but many times in the Christian life, we spend more time focusing on what the deeds of someone else is rather than putting our time and energy into what my proper response to the deeds of others. Now, certainly, others' actions affect us. Others have the... When you, when you work together with people, when you serve the Lord together, when you, when, you, when, you, when you stand shoulder to shoulder in the work of the Lord, it gives the devil, an opportunity to do some damage. Now, now make no mistake about it. Uh, Satan's not pleased with what's going on here. He's not pleased with the fact that we're gathered here on a Wednesday night. He's not pleased that week in and week out the gospel is preached and the gospel is given and souls are saved. He's not happy about that. 
And where good is, evil is always going to be present. We just need to understand that. And so we need to be aware of, of, of the fact there is evil, and we need to understand how we are to respond in this situation. But in this course, this letter that he's writing Timothy, of course, in the context of Paul, knowing he's coming to the end of his life, and, and he's given some great admonition, of course, under the, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, to Timothy, and he longs to see Timothy. He gives Timothy some instructions. And I think of the verses right before, verse 14, he, he tells him, here's some things I want you to bring. Some things I, I want you to bring with you. And then in verse 14, he's, I need to make you aware of Alexander. I need to warn you about Alexander. There's five things I want us to look at tonight that will give us a view of the proper perspective uh, of considering an Alexander. And uh, the first point I want to make tonight is very, very important. It's one I really want us to grasp. And, and, and number one is this. Evil must be properly defined. Evil must be properly defined. I'm afraid sometimes Christians think any wrong done to them, that, that's evil because it was done to me. Um, we must properly define evil, obviously, Paul's words were put down on purpose. Paul's words were recorded as the Spirit of God told him to write. The word evil is there because God put it there. If evil did not properly describe Alexander, we would not be reading it in our Bibles tonight. But it's important as Christians that we properly define the word evil. Uh, the word evil is rarely misdefined. The word evil is used and misused often. A lot of times, like the word love is just thrown around, or the word good is just thrown around. Often the word evil is thrown around, thrown, thrown around, thrown around too. When you, don't, don't miss this, when you are hurt by someone, does not mean you were done evil. Paul was hurt by Demas. As we studied Demas, Demas, every time Luke, the faithful friend, was mentioned, Demas was mentioned with him. They served the Lord together with Paul. Paul writes, Demas hath forsaken me. Anybody who has invested anything in any other person for any length of time at all knows the pain, knows the hurt that comes from investing your life in someone and them turning their back on that which is good. Demas hurt Paul. Demas went to the world. Demas loved the world more than he loved Paul. Demas, no doubt, hooked up with people in the world who had never done anything good for them and turned his back on everything that Paul had done for him. But Paul still didn't call him evil. Paul just simply said he left. He went back to the world. But Alexander, he said, did evil to me. See, Paul was hurt by the forsaking of Demas, but Paul did not say Demas did him evil. There's a difference between someone who hurts you in a moment of carelessness and someone who does evil to you. Not every hurt towards us is an evil act. 
I think we would all, if we're honest tonight, we would all say that we have said something that has hurt someone and we had no intention of hurting them. Either the words we said or how we said it. Now, we, we should take account and be accountable and hold ourselves accountable even in offense that we didn't mean to make, but that's not evil. Let me give you an illustration. You're driving down the highway. Someone in the lane next to you decides to move into your lane. They didn't, they didn't see you. They moved into your lane. They drove you off the road and caused you to have a terrible accident. Your car was totaled and you sustained some injuries. Now what they did would not be defined as doing you evil because it was not intentional. In other words, they did not intentionally drive you off the road. The damage they did was substantial, but their actions were not evil. Here's another scenario. You're driving down the road and you unintentionally drift into the lane of another driver. They honk their horn loudly and you swerve back into your lane. The other driver was angered. They pull up next to you and decide they are going to get revenge for your carelessness. They begin to, trying to drift into your lane with the intent of running you off the road. Whether the damage was of, of significance or as significant as the first illustration is irrelevant to the definition of evil. Because one act was out of carelessness, the other was intentional. We can not be careful with our words or not run them through our brain before they come out of our mouth, and we can offend or hurt someone. Now, that is a wrong that we should make right, but it's not evil. But you can use words with an intent, and God says it's evil. And if you study God's word, God treats evil differently than he treats sin. We are all going to give an account for our sin. Sin has an effect on us. Uh, sometimes we think, well, God is... No, it's, it's just the effects of sin many times. Sin has consequences. But as we're going to see in just a moment, God looks at evil and God personally judges evil. See, evil is not determined by the action. There's not a list of sins and a list of evil. But it is determined by the motive behind the action or the intention. Unfortunately, we have all hurt people unintentionally. And it is good to be reminded that our sins unintentionally harm others. You don't sin just unto yourself. Your sin has an effect on other people. And it's good to be reminded of, of that. But when we commit those sins, we are only judged for those sins. We're not judged for evil. Let me illustrate with King David. David's adultery with Bathsheba was a sin. And there was consequences to that sin. But when David said, and David spoke of having done evil in God's sight, he was not speaking of the adultery. He was speaking of the fact that he intentionally put Uriah in harm's way. And I'm afraid among Christian people, it's, it's, it's expected of the world, but I'm afraid amongst Christian people. 
We have no problem with those that would do evil. And we want to condemn those that would fall into sin. Now, sin has consequences. And I've been the pastor here long enough, you know that I'm going to preach against what this Bible labels as sin. I don't have to search the internet to figure out what is labeled as sin and not. We're held accountable to God's holiness. But the evil is an intention. So first of all, we look at Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. He didn't just offend Paul. He didn't just offend him out of carelessness. He, with intent, worked to hurt the apostle Paul. So number one, if we're going to get what we need to get out of Paul's warning, we need, to, we need to properly define evil. We're all sinners. You realize that, right? But we don't have to be evil. It's, it's a completely different thing. We need to be guarded against that. Now that we've properly defined it, I want us to see number two, the necessary warning of evil. Alexander the coppersmith set out to hurt Paul. We don't know why he set out to hurt Paul. We don't really know exactly what he did to hurt Paul, except for what's mentioned in the scripture here. But we do know that Paul became his target. We don't know if Paul offended him in some way, or perhaps Paul's teachings brought conviction to him. Uh, perhaps uh, as a coppersmith, you know, when Paul came to town, the idol business certainly uh, took a hit, and so maybe it hurt uh, him financially. Who, who, who knows? We do not know the reason behind his actions, but we do know that Alexander set out to hurt Paul. So Paul sends a warning to Timothy because when someone seeks to do evil, they typically seek to recruit others to their cause or seek to hurt others. See, I would, according to Bible definition and personal experience, I would rather spend my time with just a dirty old sinner, if I can put it that way, than an Alexander that does evil. Uh, I would feel much more comfortable with somebody who just, they know what they are, and, and, and they're trying to deal with what they are, than someone who does evil to someone else. So it is a necessary warning. There's a reason why Paul mentions those he mentions. He mentions Demas to let Timothy know that he's forsaken. Oh, he mentions Luke. Only Luke is with me. Oh, and by the way, take Mark because he's, he's now profitable. But then he warns him. He says, you need to know about Alexander. Bear in mind, Paul's not going to be there much longer. Paul is Timothy's father in the faith, if you will. He's his mentor. He's not going to be there to, to, to personally mentor him and warn him. So he sends a warning in the letter warning him of Timothy. See, he wanted Timothy to be aware, be aware of what Alexander the, Alexander the coppersmith's motive was. I mean, let me put it this way in, in the world we live in. If there had been the Internet or social media in Alexander's day, no doubt... No doubt, he'd spend a good amount of time and energy on that platform trying to hurt the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he was doing evil. 
And Paul was warning him of the evil. Why? Because it had the potential to hurt Timothy. Let me just be very practical and I think very helpful as your pastor tonight. Uh, Pay attention to what I say and what I don't say when it comes to people who used to be here. Take my advice when it comes to those, many times those the Lord moves on. Because I'm not going to stand up here and say everything that my flesh would want to say. But at the same time, I'm going to warn of the evil they might do because they might hurt you. And we need to be aware of the fact that there are those that would seek to do evil. You know how it works. They, 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 they want to recruit you to their cause. And if they can't recruit you, then they're going to try and hurt you as well. So therefore, Paul is warning Timothy to stay away from Alexander. Number three, this is an important principle to understand here. To withstand is not a mere disagreement. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Uh, Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. To withstand what Paul was doing is not just a disagreement. There's a lot of Christians who fall prey to the, well, it's just a a disagreement. Oh, you know how people disagree. Oh, they they, they just, you know, it's just a personality thing. Uh, A withstanding against the purpose that God has given is not a disagreement. I, I alluded to this Sunday night. There may be some things you disagree with me on as we have continue our construction and we get ready to put in new carpet and we get ready to uh, paint walls and different buildings and you may say, well, I don't think we should have chosen that color. Or I think 930 is a a much better start time for, I think 815 is a much better start time on Sunday morning. Anybody out there? I didn't get an amen on that. Uh, If you disagree on something, fine. But that's different then withstanding the words that I say from this pulpit. It's not just a disagreement. The only, the only reason anybody should leave a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church is if there's moral or doctrinal issues. A disagreement leaving A Bible-preaching church is a violation of Scripture. Amen. It's not because, I promise you, you think I'm so naive to think that every word I say that comes from behind this pulpit, everybody in here agrees with? You think I believe that? I'm watching faces to see who tells them themselves. I don't lose sleep when I go home and say, I wonder who all agreed with that. I'm going to preach the word of God the best way that I can, uh, in his spirit the best that I can, and, and then 
then I'm leaving the results up to him. I'm, you think I agree with every decision that we've ever made and said, okay, this is what I feel God wants us to do, we're going to do it. You think I believe that everybody, every member of our church really agrees? As we've gone through this pandemic or whatever you call it, do you think I really believe that every time I said, okay, we're doing this, everybody's like, I, I 100% believe that's what we ought to do. Do you think when I say, okay, I'm tired of meeting at two places, we're meeting back here, do you think everybody, do you think I believe everybody said, well, I think that's the wisest decision that pastors ever made? No, I don't believe that. You don't have to agree. You, you don't. Now, you can be wrong. I'm sure you're wrong in other areas, but you don't have to agree. That's different than because you have a disagreement trying to subvert the work of God. You know, just like, and I don't take offense to the fact that, I, that you may not agree with everything I say or do. You shouldn't take offense to the fact that I may not agree with everything you say or do. But when it comes to the word of God, we're to be in agreement on what God says. Does that make sense? So to withstand is not just a disagreement. Pastor, why do you bring that up? Because it's very, very important. The word withstand means to oppose or resist. What Paul was saying is Alexander is opposing. Alexander is resisting. It is an active attempt to contradict and defeat the words of someone. We find no record of Alexander withstanding Paul to his face. On the contrary, Scripture tells us Alexander used his words to undermine Paul's words. Alexander used his words to work against Paul. So, to withstand is not just a mere disagreement, and I'm going to prove it to you. Here's an interesting contrast in the ministry of the Apostle Paul that's going to give clarity to this point. In Galatians 2, verse 11 and 12, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. See, Peter refused to eat with the Gentiles for fear of what other people would think. And Paul withstood him to his face. Not to hurt Peter, to correct him. This was a disagreement. And there was a confrontation between two good men. Yet you don't find any record in Scripture of it being said that Paul did Peter evil. Coincidentally, I, among several other verses, a passage of Scripture, I read 1 Peter and 2 Peter this morning. And I found it interesting that, I believe it was 1 Peter, Peter mentions Paul in his ministry. So he didn't hold a grudge against the Apostle Paul. See, there's a difference when there's a, a disagreement and a withstanding then there is, I had, I had, I had, I had said recent, recently to, to me by, by, by someone, uh, say, well, where are you going to, about, about some, somebody who had done me evil and done the church evil, say, when are you going to get over that? What, what do you mean? When am I going to forgive? Oh, that's been done. I, it's long been forgiven. But I'm not going to stop warning. Because there's been no 
attempt to make things right on the offender's part. So when am I going to get over it? As far as forgiving, I'm over it. But I'm still the shepherd. I still have a responsibility to warn. And incidentally, they didn't heed my advice. And today, they live by the will of God. Because someone who withstands and subverts, it's not a disagreement. It's not a difference of opinion. Paul was attempting to do good when he withstood Peter to his face. Peter needed correction. And Paul was willing to stand up to him for that purpose. Let me, let me put this in context. Paul did the right thing by going to him. Peter shouldn't have been embarrassed to eat with the Gentiles. But he was. If Paul had acted like Alexander and like a lot of independent Baptists I know, Paul would have got on the phone to other preachers to talk about Peter. Paul would have got on a social media account. Paul would have used the platform of a preacher's fellowship instead of going face to face and saying, this is an area I think you need to be corrected. See, those that do that, see, I know a lot of preachers who are evil. I know a lot of Christians who are evil by Bible definition. There may be some evil sitting on the seats tonight. Pastor, won't you take care of all those people who are living this way and this way and this way? Let the Holy Spirit do His work and, 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 and let the Word of God correct. But I would rather have those people, those people sitting in the seats of Emmanuel Baptist Church than those who haven't sinned in three or four years. It's hard for, hard for them to remember but who like to get on the phone and talk and slander other Christians. And by the way, let me just help all of us here. If you're going to talk about another member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, the Bible classifies that as evil. We need to make sure our definitions are what they're supposed to be. I didn't think this was going to be very popular tonight, but... Those who, see, Alexander, the, Paul was willing to stand up because Peter needed correction. Alexander the coppersmith was seeking destruction, not correction. That's, that's a good practice for you, for you to be in. Well, I heard so-and-so. I heard brother so-and-so. Well, here's, here's the number. You want to call? Here, here's, here, let's, go, let's, go, let's go talk to the pastor right now. Let's go ask him. Well, I don't, then you know. Then you know, my phone number hadn't changed in probably 20 years. It's amazing how silent it stays, too. Those who seek to do evil are not trying to further the cause of Christ. Their hatred and their vengeance run deep. The goal is to destroy at whatever expense. They only have one purpose, which is to hurt. I bring this out because this point can be lost on a third party. Thus the warning by Paul to Timothy. And we have to be very, very careful. And by, and by the way, we're, we're all human in here. You may be on a spiritual valley tonight, but it's a quick trip to that, or on a spiritual mountain, but it's a quick trip to that spiritual valley. That's why we all need to pray for one another and be patient with one another. 
Not every member of Emmanuel Baptist Church has their wings yet. They're still working on those. Their, their halos are a little crooked. Let's be patient with one another. Uh, let's not do evil to one another. I'll move on. Number four. This is, this is important. The last two points. The first three is nothing new. You've heard it before. It's good to be reminded. But the last two points, the first three are crucial, but these, these two is really where I want really to drive home. Paul left Alexander's fate in God's hands. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord rewarded him according to his works. There's a lesson to be learned in how Paul dealt with Alexander the coppersmith. He left him in the hands of God. He left him in the hands of God. Here's a good practice for all of us. You take care of you and let God take care of everybody else. I'm going to take care of me. That's a big enough job. I'm going to let God take care of everybody else. Paul said, the Lord reward him according to his works. His warning of Alexander was to prevent Timothy from being infected by his words. It was not to hurt Alexander. Paul was not a vindictive man. Paul does not mention him in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 to label him for all of eternity. God chose to do that. But Paul was simply warning Timothy, who he cared very much about, about Alexander and what he's doing. And then he reminds him, he's telling Timothy, you don't worry, I'm just letting you know what he's doing. Let God take care of it. Let God work that out. Uh, vengeance is not ours. Vengeance belongs to God, and he will repay. There, there, I have my Alexanders, just like you have your Alexanders. And if I wanted to tell all I knew about my Alexanders, nobody would ever speak to them again. They'd be branded forever. How would that make you feel? I hope it would make me feel horrible. Because it's not my place. It's God's. And oftentimes, others will do evil. This world is going to do evil to our church. Because Satan's evil. Others along the way, you're going to have somebody who, 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 for whatever reason, makes you their target. And they're going to do evil. What do you do? Do what Nehemiah did. Stay on the wall. Don't get distracted. My job is not to rectify the wrong somebody else has done. My job is to glorify God and fulfill the purpose for which he put me on this earth. I'm not going to get distracted to correct any record. I'm going to stay focused on what it is that we are supposed to do. Because it is God's business. I think sometimes God's people get in the way of God's work. Let me point something out. Now, let me remind you, 
Paul wasn't saying, I'm letting him off the hook. If Paul was going to let him off the hook, Paul would have took care of him. Paul wanted and expected God to reward Alexander according to his works. I'll let God give him what he deserves. See, Paul could not see everything happening in Alexander the coppersmith's life, and we do not see everything taking place in the life of those who do us evil. And it can be frustrating, Christian, well, they're doing this and this and this and this, and they said this and this and this, and they caused this much hurt and this much pain, and nothing happens. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know the cancer that's growing in their body. You don't know the arteries that are clogging that's going to end the life one day. You don't know the misery that they live with. The most miserable person on this planet is a bitter Christian. We don't know. That's why we let God, because God is, is, and and we ought to be thankful, God is God. And he's not like us. Because even your enemies and my enemies, God loves. And God's going to be, aren't you glad God's patient with you? Well, he's going to be patient with them. Have you ever drifted away from God and God was very patient and just giving you a chance to come back, giving you a chance to come back, giving you a chance to come back? Well, he's going to do the same thing before he deals with the, and he will deal with the action. He's going to give a chance to get right, for them to get right. See, Paul was concerned with his own spirit and not seeking Alexander's destruction. Well, we, we, we really need to keep focused on that. If my spirit's not what it's supposed to be, I'm not going to be the kind of husband, father, Christian, pastor, friend, soul winner that I should be. My focus today is supposed to be on him. And if I'm thinking about how I've got to get even with Alexander, or I've got to correct Alexander, my focus isn't on him. We've got to, we spent some time as the Emmanuel Baptist Church, haven't we, the last couple of years talking about faith? Leave it all in God's hands. So Paul's saying. Timothy, I'm going to warn you about Alexander. Alexander, he did be much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Let God, you know what, how much freedom you'd have in your life if you just turn your Alexander over to God? And let God take care of it? And when God takes care of it, there's no question about who's taking care of it. That leads me to number five. We should not seek retribution on those who do us evil. Look at our text again, verse 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. There are many unnecessary battles being fought between two Christians because we decided to seek revenge on someone who has done evil. Don't forget that evil is, is, is not just unintentionally hurting someone. Evil is trying to purposely to hurt someone. So if someone has done you evil and you are going to get even with them, you cannot do it without committing evil yourself. 
I'll, I'll use an illustration that some of you can relate to. How many times have you ever watched a football game and there's a scuffle between two players? Who always gets caught? The guy that pushes back. He always gets caught. And it doesn't matter, or how many times does a football player get, get baited into a penalty, and sometimes the referee throws a flag on both teams, but he was still penalized. It's much more serious when we're talking about what is evil and what is good. We must be careful how we handle those who seek to do evil to us. Paul was not taking matters into his own hands, but dealing with the situation properly. And this is important for us to, 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 to be reminded of tonight in this study because uh, you, may, you, may not have, you may not have any idea what I'm talking about. Everybody may love you. Somewhere down the line, there's the potential for an Alexander. A church that says, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to attack the gates of hell. We're going to win people to Christ. We're going to stand for holiness and righteousness. And we're going to stand for this book. It's just a matter of time before somebody tries to do evil. And we need to know beforehand how we're going to respond to it. 1 Peter 3, 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. The contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Don't render evil for evil. I don't think it's going to matter if it's our defenses. Well, they were evil first. I don't want the word evil to be anywhere near me. And if I am going to give retribution to those that have done me evil, I cannot do so without committing evil myself. And when I place myself in that category, I place myself in the same situation where the Lord will judge me according to my works. And if you study this book, God always deals with evil. There will always be people who hurts you. Not on purpose. So you got to be careful. Don't, let, don't, don't be so easily offended. But what do they mean by that? If I could ask that, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What do you think I meant by it? Well, I thought you meant, yep, that's exactly what I meant by it. Don't be so easily offended. Because we spend a lot of time together It's just a matter of time before somebody parks in your parking spot, sits in your seat. It's just a matter of time before somebody says, and, and, and we, look, all of us, myself included, we need to be more careful in how we interact with people. But that's different than evil. We have to understand that we can do wrong, we can... We can hurt people. we got to be very careful with our words, very careful with our actions. And, and, and let me just give a one that we have our young people in here tonight. Uh, you, can, you can break your mom and dad's heart in a way that will never be mended if you turn out to be a Demas. 
I've, I'll be very personal tonight. I've taken some strong stands from behind this pulpit. I've looked people I love very dearly in the eye and told them, I'm not budging, and you better get right. Only to see them forsake. After I've stayed up all night, after I visited their child in the hospital, after I sat for hours trying to piece a marriage back together, it hurts. It hurts. Don't be a demus. By the way, to all the young people, go read the book of Proverbs and just mark every time God gives a warning against breaking your mother and your father's heart or making your mother or your father cry. You may forget about it. God's not. Being a demon is hurt. You have somebody who does that. It hurts. But it's a different story when somebody does you evil. There's a way we should treat the demises. There's a way we should treat all these that are mentioned. We have to be especially careful when somebody does us evil. Because Paul gave us the pattern. I'm going to let God worry about that. We can tie this in tonight, and I'll close with this, with, with so much that's going on in our world. I think abortion is evil. I don't think it's just morally wrong. I think it's evil. It's something intentionally done to not just hurt another life, but to end it. I think it's evil. I think there's so many things. We, we have no concern uh, all, you see all these, this rioting that's taking place in our, in our country. It's not just expressing their First Amendment rights. When they burn down somebody else's business, that is evil. It's demonic. It's satanic. It's evil. This world is evil. And if we're not, and I, and I see this, and, and, and I see it, and it's a danger... You see Christians, you see churches getting distracted and say, let's fight the evil. The Bible doesn't say fight evil. It says stand. Preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, stand. Having done all to stand. Put on the armor so you can withstand. And we're supposed to press forward and keep doing the work of God and let God take care of Alexander. Don't fall into that trap of rendering evil for evil. You've probably had it done to you. I've certainly had it done to me. Hey, I just want to let you know, so-and-so is saying, said this, and you did this, and you said this, and, 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 and so-and-so said this about you. Let me set you straight. It's not my place. And when somebody says that, you know, your child did this or this or this, don't worry about setting them straight. First of all, it's probably true. Have you seen your child? Anyway, uh, let's all stand. (laughs) On that note, we better close. (laughs) Along the way, ministry companions, there's the Luke's. I wish we didn't ever have to deal with a, De- a Demas. I wish we didn't ever have to deal with an Alexander, but we do. So the Bible tells us how to deal with them.
And I want us to look at these characters, and, and, and in my mind, as I've categorized these, in, in that I think there's 16 or 17 different lessons. It just in my mind, there's positive and negative. Demas was a negative. Luke's a positive. Alexander's a negative. Next week, Paul says, no man stood with me. Talking about fearful companions. That's a negative. Uh, but don't be discouraged by that. Uh, because God has let us see that if the great apostle Paul, we had those victories, but he also dealt with, we're, we're not so different. So I want us to see how to respond and so, so that we know how to respond. But I hope this sets motivation. I, I have learned so much from this study about what I want to be and about what I don't want to be and how i got to be very careful as I serve in ministry and we serve in ministry with one another of what we don't want to be and of what we want to be. And uh, let these things uh, just, just help us uh, be a better uh, Christian, be a better co-laborer, and we get to serve the Lord together. Of everywhere in this world that God could have placed us, He placed us here together. Now, some of you are probably saying, what in the world did I do wrong that God would do that? Uh, think about that. What a privilege. What an honor we have to spend our lives together, to serve the Lord together, and as a church to uh, make a difference in this world. And so uh, let's determine to be the best Christian we can be so that we can do more for the cause of Christ. Your faithfulness has an impact on somebody else. Say, Pastor, nobody even knows who I am. We're going we're gonna to get to some people in this, in, this, in, this, in this chapter that nobody knew who they were. But they had an impact on the Apostle Paul. And if they had an impact on the Apostle Paul, they had an impact on other people. Don't discount your service for God. Don't discount your place. Uh, that's why it's always important to be in your place. I don't feel drag yourself in. Be where you need to be uh, so that we can be an encouragement to one another. Uh